How are you doing, Deanna? Pretty good. How about you? Doing all right. Um, kids are always keeping me on my toes. Um, today we're doing something a little different. We are actually recording our fika. Um, what are you drinking? I have some tea. Um, Bengal spice. Yum. Yeah. I just had some Thai tea, so I'm a little bit wired right now. But I am knitting and working on my Arctic light sweater. Um, there's a knit along happening right now on Instagram with this really awesome finished designer and um, it's a really interesting cable knit sweater that I'm working on and it's my first time working with alpaca silk oh, wow. coming out pretty nice I think I didn't have any white silk to go with my yarn so it's coming out like a marbled pink and I think it's cute yeah you want it um so what'd you do this weekend anything good yeah, went to some wineries yesterday, so <laughs> starting later today actually worked out well for me, <laughs> even though I think I was in bed by like eight o'clock, but um, yeah, I just checked out a few wineries, um, brought our computers, I, you know, planned to just do some work while we were there, um, but then eventually, you know, there's like live music and stuff like that, so. <laughs> what kind <laughs> of wine do you have? Bad food. <clears throat> What's your favorite kind of wine? Depends. Like, I think in the summer, I drink a lot of Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. Um, but right now, a lot of, uh, like, Sangiovese or um, just, like, a cab. Yeah. You're so wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Pinot Grigio kind of person, and mostly that's for cooking. Um, <laughs> it is very important to cook with really good wine, though. So, yes. Um, How's your weekend so far? interesting it's a long weekend this weekend we're recording this the weekend of um president's day weekend and um saturday i had a legal clinic <clears throat> and that's good i mean you remember what that's like deanna like going in person to the legal clinics and how like that is probably the best part of the job is like going live and helping people mm-hmm. directly and and like that's kind of the most fun part of the job is yeah. working directly with people so we had our first in-person legal clinic for the first time since the pandemic, and it was awesome. It was really fun. Um, we had somebody come in who had a problem with um, a debt settlement company, and this is like just like the typical stories when I was lobbying that bill. Um, she had a ton of debt, and she was trying to get ahead of it. Like she was just staying above water with like trying to manage her finances. So she thought, you know, let me look into one of these companies to see if they can help me handle this debt that is growing out of control and help me like manage it basically and so she signed up with a debt settlement company not realizing that it would exacerbate the problem that she has um she was paying on time and making the minimum payments but now she's got lawsuits because the debt settlement company stopped paying on the accounts that she had with these creditors and she was just it was horrible like she felt obviously miserable and she was um sad and and crying and that part's always really hard but I feel super invigorated because we passed the law the um, 1405 bill a couple years ago and it already came into play so um, I'm seeing violations from it and I'm gonna sue the pants off of this company so that is back in the ring active impact litigation and um, I expect this one to be a really good case because I don't think a judge is going to rule against me how are they going to rule against me when i'm going to be like uh i wrote this law i know what the legislative intent is 
here are all my emails. Um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I've learned that in legal aid, we can get attorney's fees still. So this might be a really good way for us to fund our clinic without having to do like the confinements of deliverables under specific grants. Cause mm-hmm. I'm looking for ways to fund our work that we do without, um, uh, like having specific areas of deliverables that they want from us. <clears throat> I think deliverables are a really bad way to, um, increase access to justice because you can't be responsive to like what the community needs. You have to like mm-hmm. meet a certain number of, of requirements. So, um, oh that's gosh, the push that's... this year. <clears throat> I'm trying yeah. to find outside sources of funding. Yeah. Oh, and then Otto got hives while I was gone at the clinic. He got really bad hives and we don't know what it's from, <clears throat> but this morning they were worse. We woke up, so we had to take him to urgent care and we were there for a while but his whole like body his whole torso is covered in hives right now mm-hmm. and his face and legs and buttocks he says it's not that itchy he doesn't he's not itching very much but it looks incredibly bad so um gotta wait for the pharmacy to open so we can get some steroids for that but otherwise mostly good mostly yeah. good <laughs> um let's see so some new things. <laughs> so we were driving to Berkeley today to go to the urgent care office, and you know you never know how long that's going to take. So I brought the whole family and said, "Just everybody come, and you can take Otto or Ozzy and the dog out <clears throat> for a walk if you guys want to, like waiting for us. Because if it's short too, we can go to Berkeley and go hang out." Um, but we went, and I was talking to my husband because we got our save the date for my cousin who's getting married in December. She's getting married in London, and I'm super excited um, because I've never been to London. And um, I think it's time for us to finally come out of our little cave and and travel a little bit more. Um, But her fiancé is a popular, I want to say dubstep, but I really don't want to get it wrong. Um, He's a DJ. (laughs) He's he's a DJ. He's a professional DJ. he's on the charts and everything like that and I was was telling him that like do you know how good you have to be at this genre of music to be a professional touring artist who plays Coachella and some of the big festivals and not even enjoy the type of music that you make (laughs) because he's like yeah I hate my music he's like I don't even I'm not gonna name the band because I don't want to like call him out for it but he's like yeah this is not my music I've fucking hate it I'm too old for this oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like do you know how good you have to be to keep on like releasing albums and having them like top the charts and everything um and and like just hate it <laughs> and Jeff goes it sounds a lot like lawyering <laughs> and I'm like okay touche because <laughs> yeah I hate lawyering but it's also one of the things I'm very good at <laughs> Yeah, that's exciting though to go to a wedding in London. Yes. I'm going to a wedding in London and Cancun this year. Oh nice. Yes. Um I have a cousin getting married. Nowhere what's fun. That? I have a cousin getting married, but nowhere fun, just um in New Jersey in April. But I'm I don't think I'm gonna go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Although I haven't been to a wedding in a while, so I kinda wanna go, but it's complicated. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I like this cousin a lot. She's my cousin, my cousin, like yeah. 
she's like a sister to me. Um, so I'm super stoked for her. Yeah, and she's been with her fiance for a while. I remember that like I remember when I saw her last, it was for a family emergency actually before the um pandemic and she was asking me kind of out of nowhere she's like when did you and your husband get married how long have you guys been together and I'm like 10 years and she's like oh okay so that's it's normal I'm like yeah because she's like um because we've been together for like five years and he hasn't like asked yet and my parents are getting a little worried and I'm like oh, I'll handle your parents for you but like yeah 10 10 dear yeah, I think that's pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> if it's up to the most guys, probably never. <laughs> exactly. That's true. My husband definitely would not have uh, made any moves if I hadn't nudged him along and said, Mike, like, I'm running out of time here. I gotta move on. I'm too old to have a boyfriend. Um, so, you know, speaking of weddings and, and the plans for this coming year, and I think with February, um, being kind of the time when everyone's starting to think about booking, let's talk a little bit today about some coordinators and and things that they have to really consider in their contracts, because I've seen some pretty gnarly things over the years. Um, with the wedding biz, everyone has kind of a different way of doing things in the industry. Like there's no one right white no one right way to do things. I would say that like photographers tend to do things very similarly. Um, makeup artists tend to do things fairly similarly, but not entirely so. Coordinators and floral designers are probably the most variable groups that I've worked with. Everyone does something pretty different mm-hmm. in those two areas. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about some considerations for coordinators. And I am getting over cold a little bit. So I'm going to let Deanna carry this one. I think um, one thing I think you can kind of see like a a big range of differences is about kind of how dirty um, they're willing to get their hands, like how much they're willing to really jump in and do what's ever needed. I think, you know, some will, you know, they need to serve food, um, you know, help with a lot of things. And Well, I think the first thing, like, especially if you're a coordinator and you're talking to your client, at least when I was working um in photography i would tell my clients like it's really worth it to have a good coordinator a good coordinator will make everything so much smoother a bad one will definitely make it worse not just for you but for everybody involved um but a good coordinator is somebody who is going to be with you planning it throughout the event and outside of the venue don't get confused about a coordinator a, a you know, a hired professional wedding coordinator versus the venue coordinator, because the venue coordinator is not a wedding coordinator. They're only there to be your liaison for the venue when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. Point out. yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like I've worked at places that have pretty good, like venue coordinators that are good about like liaising between the different vendors, like Palm Event Center comes to mind. That's a place that has pretty good coordinator services when you get to the venue. But 
the difference of course being like before you get to the venue especially if you're going to have um a ceremony somewhere offsite uh the wedding planner wedding coordinator <clears throat> is usually there at the beginning of the day checking in with the bride at their getting ready location going to the other you know the offsite ceremony location to help set up or coordinate things with the floral designers they're they're really doing the work like you said like getting their hands dirty and um helping set up helping people find where they need to be and they've got everyone's phone numbers on speed dial that type of situation yep and yeah, they're definitely going to spend a lot of time the day of the wedding with the um the bride and the groom or you know who's ever getting married and just like with photographers you know it's really important that the bride and groom have a really good relationship with this person because they're going to be spending so much time yeah <clears throat> i was um I saw a post by Heather, our friend Heather from the Editor's Touch, right, um, on Instagram. If you're not following Heather on the Editor's Touch, you really should be. Um, I find her to be really blunt, and she kind of has the same mission as we do with the industry, which is to, like, talk about the uncomfortable things, and a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Meaning that, like, we need to kind of stand together, and if you're undercutting the market, you really should be saying that name that you're undercutting the market to your clients so that they can have reasonable expectations of other people that you're working with. Um, because I think that wedding professionals spend so much of their time and I dare to say waste so much of their time, quote unquote, educating their clients about like what their value is, you know? And we see that too from our end with our clients where we're trying to help them understand what their own value is because they're so, used to push back from maybe either others in the industry or other clients saying, can you give me a discount? Can you give me a discount here? And blah, blah, blah. Thinking that they're not competitive with the market. The reality is, is that, you know, I always come back to the concept that people have money and time for things that they want. Yeah. You know, try that out. If, they, if somebody's asking you for a discount, I would say, thank you. No, thank you. Um, and if they really wanted you, they'd book you anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the, the worst thing that's going to happen, though, is that if you give them a discount and they decide to work with you, they're a pain in the butt the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if you are working with a, um, a bride who's on a budget, you know, instead of just asking other vendors for discounts, try to really. Oh, my God. Who Never do that. <laughs> yeah. Never do that. Don't ask your other vendors, your frienders. For a discount like that is so messed up that's not okay yeah um it's really not it's more about like making sure that your client's expectations are reasonable about what they're getting and instead of saying like let me see if i can get you a discount it's more like i have friends and connections that i have people that i know will do a really high quality job for the small budget that you have you're gonna get your best bang for your buck with folks you know th these vendors here mm -hmm. um they do high quality work with you know the little you know the little that they um might have to work with in your budget yeah yeah and really treating all the other vendors with respect and not acting like you're their boss because you know that's <laughs> that's gonna get you oh so behind so fast yeah. <laughs> i once had a a coordinator who I will not name. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, but man, do I have war stories. 
Um, I once had a coordinator, not in my market, in a different market, who was so self-entitled to everything and they hardly lifted a finger. Like this person did not understand what the other vendors were doing and like what it took to do their job because the way that they had the timeline and uh, like made changes to the timeline after I spoke with a couple already about like, we don't have, we're not going to have time if you move this and that and blah, blah, blah. And like how they um, like we were missing sunset for photos and like the couple specifically booked videographers to shoot in um, super eight film and it was getting too dark. And I'm just like, man, we all told you what we needed and you guys just didn't listen because your coordinator kind of bullied them into going with his timeline. Um, and then at the end of it, after sending all of the vendors their photos, you know, I, I told everybody, I have an expiration date for my for my um, gallery because I'm like, I don't have time for this. But you have one download. You have a month to download these. We're, out, we're all busy. So find some time in the next month to download your pictures. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a $50 unarchival fee. I'm not going to keep this shit open. And then the coordinator reached out to me like two months later asking me to unlock the album. <laughs> and I'm like, that'll be $50, please. And he's like, are you crazy? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if I liked you, I would totally do it. But like, I don't like you. <laughs> and then he's trying to go to the bride and groom. And I'm like, before you do that, this is going to be a copyright infringement issue. So maybe don't do that. <laughs> but he was awful. And there's no faster way to get yourself on a blacklist than to be like entitled, you know, I think like I'm the director of my, my unit at work. Right. And leadership has been something that's been a part of my life forever, forever and ever. And I think that coordinators try to view themselves as like the leader of the wedding. Even if that were so, um, in my experience, in my vast experience being a leader, a manager, a director, um, leadership does not look like controlling people and telling them what to do and delegating um, in a way that helps keep your hands clean or literally your stilettos <laughs> clean. And that's another horror story. <laughs> you know, being a leader is about supporting the people who you view to be underneath you to help them do the best job that they can do. You know, let everyone else shine and do the thing that they are hired to do, the thing that they're an expert at doing, make their lives easier. That's what a good leader does. Um, being on the bottom and holding everyone up, right? Exactly. You're there to lift everyone else up so that they can do the thing that they've been paid and sought out to do. Yeah. And micromanaging, um, telling the experts how to do their job. Oh, God. I had a... I was second shooting early in my career. I was second shooting with somebody and we were shooting at this winery in Napa, like this nice winery across the street from like French laundry. I can't remember the name of it, but the, um, the, it was a place that had like cottages on site. So you could get ready there at the winery. Like they had cute little cottages and we were doing sunset photos with a bride and groom back by their cottage. Cause there's like a really cool fountain back there. And, you know, sunset hour, we want to get all the photos, want to get everything nice and nice and right. And this kind of takes precedent over what's going on. The wedding coordinator 
when we came back from our sunset photos, she's like, where were you guys? Blah, blah, blah. Like, we're late and this and that. And I'm like, looking at the schedule, I'm like, no, we're not late. We're 10 minutes early. You know, we're doing our job. And we're like, we're just right back over there. Why didn't you come walk around? And she's like, I can't walk around in the grass in these shoes. And I'm like, oh, my God. I almost lost it on her. She was wearing, like, straight up, I think, four or five inch stilettos. And she couldn't walk around in the grass on the shoes at a winery. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the, I'm like, well, then why didn't you just walk on the path? Because there's also, it's Napa. It's not like real winery, you know? But no, she couldn't walk around because her feet hurt. And I'm like, I don't think you know what your job is. Yeah. Coordinators need to be comfortable because they should be running around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that person is apparently like high up in the coordinator world, but total pain in the ass I would never work with her again um yeah so I mean as far as contracts goes some of the things that I've seen like horror story wise is coordinators entering into contracts on behalf of their clients with other vendors holy cow huge no 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 yeah <laughs> don't ever <laughs> don't ever what I, I don't see that being a service that is super beneficial to clients. Like I can understand them not wanting to hear like sales pitches and things like that. But at the end of the day, if you are a, like a photographer, or you know, floral designer and you haven't met the client yet and you just entered into a contract with the coordinator that you happen to know, you run a pretty big risk. You know, you run a risk of the coordinator not, fairly representing what the clients want and expect. Um, you know, if your job is to make the bride happy, the bride and groom happy, then you should probably meet them and vet them first to make sure that they are actually your client and that this isn't a coordinator who might have a good relationship with you, but not carry the same style that the bride and groom are looking for. So you want to always make sure that the clients, the bride and groom or the, the couple know who they're hiring and then keep in mind that whenever you enter into a contract with somebody it's binding between those two people you can't have um an adult sign on behalf of another adult unless there's like a specific power of attorney so if you're entering into a contract with the coordinator and let's say the bride and groom don't pay you your legal remedy would be after the coordinator so coordinators please don't sign contracts on behalf of your clients that's a big, big no-no. Some other things that come up in contracts for the coordinators. Have you? Oh God, that's a lot. You know, the thing ironically is I love doing coordinator contracts. I yeah. love doing coordinator contracts. I think it's one of the most fun areas to work in because there are so many things that you have to consider and so many areas for flexibility, which means that your contract has to be pretty robust because you have to have a lot of um, areas to, to bend and flex, right? Um, one of the things that I've seen from my photographer days is coordinators, um, submitting photos, submitting photos to blogs and publications. And that is such a, it's a huge no, no, like in the, um, visual media world, like we know that's a copyright problem. That's copyright infringement. And that's simply not cool. Like you just would not do that. But if you think about it from a coordinator's point of view, why would they know that really? I mean, mm -hmm. except for like blogs telling you, do you have the right to publish this and blah, blah, blah. 
but like they don't have the um they don't have the the occasion really to understand copyright media and laws the way that we do so it's a little bit understandable um all of that is to say though that this doesn't have to be a big deal like it doesn't have to be a fight it doesn't have to be any kind of like contentious thing it just needs it's just education right so being really clear as a coordinator that you don't have the right to submit photos on behalf of the couple even if you have the couple's permission okay even if you have the couple's permission to submit their wedding photos to an outlet that's not a right that usually lies with the couple because the couple usually doesn't get their copyright they usually get a license um, the copyright holder is the one that has the right to that. So you always want to check with your photographer if it's okay for you to um, publish photos. And if you, you know, if you're somebody who has more connections than the photographer does, there really isn't a world where that photographer is going to say no. There really isn't. But you want to avoid um, asking for forgiveness rather than permission because you can run into a lot of problems like maybe that photographer is up and coming or maybe that photographer has more contacts than you um maybe that photographer has a relationship outside of um the the like what's visible to you maybe they have a connection somewhere else um and what you end up doing if you submit at the same time is violating um like Usually when you submit to a, a blog that is exclusive, you have to check the box that says that you haven't submitted this anywhere else. So if you, the coordinator, is submitting photos of an event somewhere and you don't realize that the photographer who has the legal right to do this is submitting it somewhere else, you could be hurting the, the chances of publication or the terms of the publication if you guys like both get accepted, right? Because it's no longer exclusive. So it's important to like make sure that you're being transparent. Like transparency is like the key in this industry. Working together, you have to know what you're doing to work together, and it's really um, going to cause more harm to like try to avoid a confrontation than to just ask head on. Yes, this actually came up in a contract review I was doing um, last week, where the wedding planner really wanted to make sure that she could get the photos and you know to. To submit. Um, yeah, yeah, then, you know, like Does, you said, she didn't understand why, if the bride and groom um, are giving her permission, why she can't use the photos. So it's definitely something that comes up a lot. Yeah, I think, I mean, it makes sense because, like, if you don't work in that media space every day, why would you know the laws around it? Yeah. Um, and the other thing to consider, too, is that, like, let's say the Let's say the bride and groom give you coordinator permission because from the bride and groom's point of view, they're like, yeah, I don't care if I give you permission to use it because you're not taking any professional photos. And I said no to the wedding photographer. So I'm not worried about my wedding photos being shared around. Like how would you even get professional photos? If I already said, no, you can't mm -hmm. share my image around. So in that case where the couple like does not want their photos shared, they do what's called, um, like withholding the model release, meaning they didn't sign the model release, the photographer can still share photos with the other vendors of things that are of like things and not people, right? So they can share things that are not the likeness of the couple, um, including their names, anything that's identifying. They can't really, they shouldn't share that with you. 
they could because the photographer owns the copyright to all of the photos typically. Even if they shared photos with you of the bride and groom or other people, they have a legal right to do that. They could share those photos, but whether or not you can display it is really, that comes down to the model release. So if the photographer doesn't have a model release from the couple saying that you can share pictures of their likeness, you don't have the right to do that unless you yourself have permission from the couple to share pictures of their likeness. That might have been confusing to some people. Let me just say that again. The photographer owns the copyright. They own the right to the photos, regardless of what the subject matter is. The people that are in the photos, those people have a right to their privacy, meaning they have a right to anything that's identifiable about them in the photograph, whether that is a picture of a picture of them, or if it's a picture of their faces or their silhouettes, if their silhouettes are very distinguishable, or any tattoos that are very distinguishable, anything that you can use to tell that, oh, that's definitely Tiffany Jones and John Smith. Okay. Um, those, they have a right to privacy. And so even though I have a right to ownership of those photos and I can duplicate them and I can do whatever I want, I can't publicly share them for commercial purposes. Okay. Um, so if you're a couple, if you're a wedding coordinator and you have permission from a client in your contract that says you have permission to share their photos, great. Good for you. If you took a photo with your iPhone of the couple, you can share that. What you don't have a right to though, is things that the couple doesn't have a right to. So if the couple doesn't have a right to ownership of their own photos, they don't have a right to give you permission to do anything that they can't do. And even so, the couple's permission is limited to personal use. Personal use, meaning that they can use it to share with family and friends for their personal enjoyment. They don't have a right to share anything with anyone for commercial use. Okay? So you want to... That's why I'm saying all roads point back to the photographer. So be nice to your photographer. And it's probably good practice too, right, for the photographer to to give the a usage license. Yes. All the other vendors. Always share share the love. Like there's no reason not to share the love, you know? Um, unless you have a reason to not share the love, in which case DM me. But <laughs> You should, it, it always helps, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, I do really believe that. And I think that the more you share your work with others and ask for credit and, and sharing the, the work of other people, that's part of um, the commercial license that I would give to people is like, here are the terms of the commercial usage license. You can use it on your social media and on the web pages that you own. The conditions are please tag everybody. That was a part of this event. Um, and it's something else that came up in the um, recent contract review I did was having the um, parents of the bride sign the contract. And I know we've talked about that before. Oh, God. <laughs> um, why? Why did you do that? Yeah, because that's, yeah. Why, that's, I know, where the confusion comes in. Yeah, it's horrible because, like, the person you signed the contract with, that's the person that you're beholden to. That's the person that you're going to be responsible to, satisfying those are the emails and the calls that you're going to be taking. So you don't want to sign with somebody who you do not view to be your client. Unless you view the mother of the bride or groom to be your client, you should probably sign with the bride or groom or the, the couple directly, you know, the people for whose wedding this is going to be. Um, same, similar situation. Like, let's say that the mother of the bride is the client. That's the one that signs the contract now. And... 
the couple decides to call it quits, right? And your contract terms are such that, I don't know, X, Y, Z, like, um, let's say that there's a cancellation clause and you did work on the wedding and you're entitled to recover for everything that you've done work for. And the mom of the bride says, no way, I'm not going to pay you because the my daughter broke up, right? You still have to sue the mom. You can't sue the daughter. You can't sue the person who broke up, mm-hmm. you know? So it's going to make it pretty complicated. Um, I've said this before. The person who pays does not need to be the person who signs, okay? But the person who signs needs to be the person who is your client, the person you consider to be your client. You can always send a bill to mom and dad or auntie or uncle, but the person that you enter into the contract with is the person that you are getting mini married to. Sorry, in the wedding, um, the wedding planners, you know, it's a little different from some of the other vendors, um, like with the retainer fee. So where a photographer might be getting a retainer to hold the date, the wedding planner, you know, could be getting hired before the wedding date's even set. Right. Yeah. So the for all the folks who are um, charging retainers to hold the date down, do yourself a favor. Call it a booking fee. You know, call it a booking fee just to make your life easier. It's easier for clients to understand. It's easier to make it. Um, do what it's meant to do, which is to hold the date and make that fee earned at the time that you're trying to save that time for somebody else. Um, As far as coordinators go, the way that I think about this is that it's more like a traditional relationship between a lawyer and its client, their client, um, and the reason for retainers to begin with. Um, So retainers, in, in the sense of the legal world, are meant to be Payments for reservation of time. You are paying me a retainer, and that means that I'm going to be available to you day, night, weekends, on my vacation, whatever, for the time period of the retainer. So that's 30 days, then for 30 days, 24 hours a day, I am available to you. So when you call, I'm picking up the phone. You, I'm at your beck and call for that mm-hmm. time. It's like basically being on call. Um, what that doesn't cover, though, is services, okay? Retainer is purely a payment for my availability to you. Um, it doesn't pay for services. So, like, let's say you call me at 3 in the morning to come pick you up out of jail. I will come pick you up out of jail, and then I'm going to bill you <laughs> for what I did, which is picking you up out of jail at 3 in the morning <laughs> and any other kind of lawyering work that I needed to do. You pay me the retainer, and what that covers is me picking up the phone at 3 in the morning. <laughs> Okay. Um, so I think of retainers in the wedding planner space to be similar to that, which is like m- a majority of the work for planners, if you're, you know, in the traditional sense, is done before the wedding day itself. And so you're paying a retainer for the planner to be responsive to the couple in planning their event. So for whatever time that is leading up to the event, the clients can call you for anything and, and, ask you xyz and and get your opinion on whatever whatever right so the retainer fee is really for your communication back with them your wedding coordinator or planner fee it's not going to be 100% made up of the retainer the rest of that service fee is based on like the services that you perform so you want to make it really clear about what part is a retainer what that means and then what parts are services because if the client let's say they break up right 
Um, by the way, our job is to think about all of the worst case possible scenarios, and that's why it sounds so morbid. <laughs> but like, let's say the couple breaks up 30 days before the wedding, and you've been working with the client for three months before the wedding, right? You have done two thirds of the work already, or however you want to break that up, right? Um, when we're working with coordinators, we think of, we, we ask them well ahead, and same thing with floral designers, how much work do you think you do at each phase leading up to the wedding, and how much work out of the whole time period is like the wedding day like what percentage of that is that like 20 percent of your whole workload for a client when they hire you for three months or what you know so based on a prorated amount that's what you're going to be compensated for um outside of your retainer but just like in every industry if you want to be compensated on an hourly basis for any of the work that you did leading up to whenever the cancellation was you need to keep real-time records of what your what time you spent working on what things for the client. You can't just say, I did, in my estimation, 75 hours worth of working emails. You gotta, that's not gonna hold it in court, babe. And what are your thoughts about the, like a pricing menu when it comes to wedding coordinators? You know, that's interesting because like, I've seen coordinators offer pricing menus based off of like how much time before the wedding they wanna, you wanna hire the coordinator for. And I think that that is um, an interesting approach. I don't think that that's the only approach that is, you know, um, acceptable. I think what makes sense is because let me think about this for a minute. I think when coordinators say 30 days leading up to the wedding, 60 days, 90 days, you know, six months or whatever the assumption is that they are doing less work when they get closer and closer to the wedding correct me if i'm wrong ladies i don't know if that's true i feel like that's not true i feel like you end up doing more work when you are playing catch-up and you're closer to the wedding because you have to fix and undo things or sort things out that your clients were doing without your help in the beginning so correct me if i'm wrong on that I think you should probably be charging a premium for coming in later to the game, right? Um, but yeah, you want to, it's, it's okay too. It doesn't have to be like the same work spread out over time, six months before the wedding. It could still be like light touches in the beginning and then more heavy work towards the end. Um, but I think it might be a mistake to charge less for like less retainer time leading up to the wedding. Yeah. Okay. I think the other ways that you could um, bill for weddings is like maybe by task, you know? So you could say full hands-on services versus like minimal light touches. Mm -hmm. And that wouldn't be over time. Like you could make it for the same amount of time, but instead of doing six months of like heavy lifting where you're going to go to all of the appointments and go to the walkthroughs and, um, you know, all the cake tastings and food samples and whatever, you could be more on call and have the services flex. Yeah. So in the very beginning, you go through, like, pick the most important things, right? So, like, venue walkthrough is probably going to be super important to do, but, like, not important to go to dress fittings or cake tastings or anything mm -hmm. like that. And I know most planners don't do that already, but I bet you that that's a service that if you offered it, someone would buy it. Yeah. So. you know the thing is like for all industries the important thing is to kind of um anticipate what could happen not what normally does happen mm -hmm. 
Right. Your contract is meant to think about all of the things that could happen so that you know what will happen in the event that that does happen that's out of the ordinary. That way you don't have to figure something out on the spot. Um, this also helps the clients plan for the event. So like all of my couples, it was their first time planning a wedding, right? So they don't know what to expect. They don't understand that if you have a wedding party of 10 and 10, so like 10 bridesmaids, 10 groomsmen, you're going to need a lot more than 20 minutes for wedding party photos. Okay. Not going to happen, babe. So educating them about things like that. That's part of the contract. That's one of the benefits of having the contract so that they can understand that they need to purchase more hours. Seven hours is probably not going to cut it that day. Um, so you want to think about some possibilities. I've had coordinators who said, you, you know, you, the couple are required to hire catering staff. You are responsible for making sure that you have catering staff because we do not serve the food and we do not clear tables. That's not our job as the wedding coordinator. And I think what most wedding coordinators would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is that couples, clients, this is their first time planning a wedding. This is their first time working with a professional coordinator many times. Um, so they don't know that. And you can use the contract as a way to educate them and say, we require that you have catering staff. Now, you also have to plan about what in the event, what happens in the event that the catering staff doesn't show up or they're late or they're shorthanded or whatever the problem is. I had a wedding where the catering staff, their their delivery van broke down on the Bay Bridge. You know, things happen. So in the event that that might happen, let the clients know ahead of time that it's going to be X dollars for clearing tables, X dollars for um, you know, bringing out food and, and what those extra charges would be because it's not like it's not going to get done. I think that every coordinator, every vendor typically loves their clients and says, hey, I'm I'm willing to bite the bullet and get the job done so that you can have a nice day, so that you can have a nice experience. Then there's resentment because they're not compensated for that and they feel bad asking for compensation for that. I always tell contract clients that, you know, we want to cover you and give you all of your options because you can always choose to waive it. You can always say, you know, yeah, I know my contract says that I'm going to charge you X, Y, Z for having to bust tables, but I feel really bad. We're not going to charge you for that. Okay. We'll just keep on pushing. Yeah. So give yourself some flexibility. That's what, that's my takeaway to everyone in the industry, like all industries. Think about the worst case scenarios. And how much money would it take for you to feel better about the situation if it were to happen? Yeah, I think another a good thing is um, having something in your contract that says, you know, I'm not, I don't need to get you to approve everything because then, you know, things are moving quickly and you need to pivot and change and there's an emergency. You don't want to have to keep saying like, I need yeah. to approve this. So having something in your contract that says what you, you can, you know, maybe up to a certain dollar amount of how much you can yeah. without getting the approval. You know, when I'm drafting contracts, I think about what it's like to be on both sides of it. So I think about like, what, how would this term feel to me if I were sign- someone signing this contract? And how would this term feel to me if I was on the other side and had to deal with an issue that came up like that? Right. And so it's a balance of both needs. Like we never, you never, ever, ever want to have a contract that seeks to screw out the other party because it's not going to be upheld. Like it's useless. 
Mm-hmm. So your contract has to be really fair. And in a sense, like, like day of decisions when everything is happening really quickly, um, I think that's why it's important to have that relationship with your client leading up because if they'll feel much more comfortable with handing over the reins and the business decisions to the coordinator if they know that you understand what their visions are or what their priorities are. For example, um, I had a client, lovely, lovely client, um, really wonderful client who I know that she she was more budget conscious than her groom. And she's somebody who really appreciates like a good deal, a good discount or whatever. Like they had a beautiful wedding at the Bentley Reserve and um, they stayed at the Meridian next door, which is a really lovely hotel. And I know she was like, I feel like she enjoyed it, but she probably would have enjoyed it more if it was like a discount or something. (laughs) But I remember, you know, knowing what I know about her, she's budget friendly. Um, She's also very entrepreneurial. Um, I knew that she wanted to use the wedding photos for her side hustle that she wanted to get started, which was floral arranging. Um, She did a great job with her bouquet and all of the bridesmaids bouquets. And so what I did for that bride was we walked, you know, down to the Embarcadero And we got her a photo session on the upstairs part of the ferry building, which is a very expensive photo (laughs) license. Um, All my photographers know that that's a very expensive photo license, but we were able to sweet talk our way with the um, security guards down there. And they let us up there for a few minutes to take some photos and they were really beautiful. And that client loved it. She was, once I told her the price tag on a photo license, she was like, holy shit, like, I love it. (laughs) And that's just because I know my client. That's like, I know what she really wanted. Um, and I know that she, for her mentally, like that was something that she, that made her value the photos more. Um, and so I think if you have that relationship with your client where you understand what their priorities are, it makes it easier for them to turn over the reins and say, okay, I trust that if you are committing to an extra $300 for me, um, because you want to pay my photographers overtime that that was something that I would want to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in the contract, we try to think about like, what is a reasonable dollar amount? And you can negotiate that with your client. You can say, you know, they can say, oh, let's bring that number down from $1,000 to $500 for any like decisions that need to be made on the spot that are under $500. I'll let you make that call. But if it's over that, come bother me, yeah. bother me so I can know if I want to spend the more, you know, more money. Yeah. And I think, most likely, um, if your client is willing to let you make some of those decisions without their approval, it's going to probably be a better experience for the client. A much smoother know, experience. Like, you know, it could, if something goes really wrong and you can hide it in a way from the client, uh, and they see after, you know, they hear about it afterwards how, oh, I didn't even know that happened because they just took care of it. It can be a really good experience. Yeah. But I mean, of course, like it's not free. The client's definitely going to pay for it. Yeah. And I can, you know, I, I think of like the times that everything's running a little bit late and the photographer needs to go. And it's like, well, we're out of time. We got to run. And if the coordinator knows that the clients really, really, really want their sparkler shot, their closing sparkler shot, they might make that judgment call to mm-hmm. say, okay, can you stay another hour? They're going to pay for it. Yeah. And I also think like, well, no, because I mean, sometimes it, it, the clients really want to do the thing that's making them run late, and that's totally fine. You know, it is their wedding. Yeah. Do you have any fun stories for us about any <laughs> nightmare? I, sh- uh, nightmare I shall not name names. 
where everything was maybe like off schedule or things didn't arrive. Or... I, you know, I had a turning point in my career one time. There have been a lot of like um, things running late before I've ever experienced that many, many times. And um, that was always due to a lack of planning on the couple's part. And I had a turning point in my career one time when we were at a location, beautiful location in Santa Cruz, um, in the hills. It was like in a Redwoods retreat kind of place. And the couple did not hire a coordinator. And I told them, I'm like, you guys really need to think about having a coordinator. You're having all of your buddies from college there. I know you guys are planning on getting lit, which is awesome, but you need someone to keep it on schedule. And they're like, no, the venue has a coordinator. And I tried to explain to them that a venue coordinator is not the same thing as a wedding planner, a wedding coordinator. And everything was running so behind. And since we're in the Redwoods, you can't mess around with the sunset time. Like it's, it gets dark because you're surrounded by trees. And I, you know, the impulse in me to help corral things along and say, let's go, let's move it. You guys have to keep pushing and and keep things on time. I had to fight that impulse really hard that day. I was like, you know what? Not my wedding. Mm -hmm. I gave them a lot of opportunities to think about um, doing this on time and lots of options for planning this, even without a professional coordinator, and they didn't do it. So ultimately, they ran out of time with me, and um, they couldn't afford to pay like for another additional hour. Um, and I said, good night. I said, okay, well, we, I think we got what we needed anyhow. You guys should be good to go. And we're going to have to just say goodbye to the sparkler exit that you wanted and things like that. Because ultimately, like it was a business decision. Yeah. Right. And, and not for me, it was a business decision for them. I don't owe them anything. That's what I think, you know, I want to empower our clients to understand that, that you do not owe your clients anything. It is their decision. If they um, choose to run late or they can't afford to pay you for your extra hours and you have you don't feel like staying without getting paid, that's not a shame on you. That's a shame on them, you know? So, yeah, that, that was a turning point for me. And I just felt like a good coordinator is so worth it. And um, a good coordinator will make my life a little bit easier so I don't have to worry about the schedule and worry about oh God, the speech is taking too long. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's what you pay the coordinator for, for them to worry about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Very true. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. I've definitely had horror stories. Usually those relate around destination weddings too. I always feel more helpless at destination weddings because I don't know the local vendors as well as I would at home. So that's kind of a problem, but I wouldn't stop doing them. (laughs) I just love doing destination weddings. I will say this will be my first year attending a wedding as a guest though. So I'm excited. I have two weddings this year. One's in Cancun. One's in Cancun and one is in London. Um, I will be bringing my cameras, but for fun, not for the wedding. I'm going to leave that in the hotel room. You know, I feel like I've been hating on coordinators and I really don't mean to be hating on them because I think they're so important. Let me tell you about some of the good things, the positive things, like experiences that I've had with coordinators. Um, One memorable experience was a coordinator who worked with the venue to ensure that we had our meals 
during cocktail hour. That was a big deal. Um, that was so incredibly important because typically, do you know what happens is when you're shooting a wedding, you don't get served until after all of the guests have been served their food. So by the time you get your food, everyone else is wrapping up their meals and we're moving on to the next thing. Yeah. So then we're like scarfing down our food or not eating at all. And then we got to get back to work right away. You don't get a break. Um, in this situation, the coordinator worked it out with a couple to say, screw the cocktail photos. There'll be plenty of reception photos. Let's just let the coordinate, you know, the vendor team eat dinner during cocktail hour and you guys can go mingle with your guest. And I do think that that's a better way to go because the couple got to mingle with their guests. They got to have fun. We still got all the reception photos later on. Um, I don't think people like it either when you walk around with your camera during cocktail hour and they're trying to like have conversations and drink drinks and, you know, eat hors d'oeuvres because they're starving. Yeah. That's one success story. Um, another one trying to think which wedding was this that for us there was another one too where we were at a winery out east um in like the central valley area and it was extremely hot um and they also got our meal moved up and inside the air-conditioned building for us that was a big deal because there was no air conditioning for the guests either um but yeah, basically the success stories are always going to be about coordinators who go to bat for your vendor team as well. Like if you can bridge that gap between the clients and the vendor team to explain that a happy vendor team means really good quality products, then you're successful at what you're doing. It, it's not, I think that many times um, unsuccessful relationships have been like a an us versus them mentality. And understanding that we're on the same side is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like if you've never shot a wedding or you've never DJed or you've never done some of the services that we're doing, it's a really good idea to ask um, other vendors, how much time do you need to set up? This is going to be at a different part of the wedding. Do you need more time to set up your equipment? Do you need more time to get whatever ready, you know? I think that's really important and it's really often overlooked. Okay. Yeah, communication's super important and and just respecting everyone else's work. Yeah. Yeah. And can't just walk in there and think you know more than everybody else or yeah. like I said before, I think that other people are gonna listen to you. So definitely respect. I think I've seen, you know, I think the most unsuccessful unsuccessful relationships are also gonna come when people assume that Instagram accounts are important you know because I've worked with some up-and-coming folks who might have a small follower account who end up blowing everyone away by the end of the year you know so you you never know just be nice like the golden rule treat other others the way that you want to be treated and what are your thoughts on maybe for um somebody who's inexperienced or just coming into into this industry to be a wedding planner um like maybe they should look for maybe other vendors as well that are new so they can kind of. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to work with um, like a cohort basically. So other vendors who might be new and a good thing to do is like planning a small session. So maybe that means planning um, an engagement session, like a full day engagement session for a client or doing a styled shoot. Styled shoots are really complicated um, or shadowing another professional like industry vet who's been there for a while 
or maybe even not shadowing them, taking them to lunch and just saying, hey, I'm really interested in getting involved. What are some things that you wish you did differently? What worked for you and what what do you wish you did differently? Um, also know your worth, right? Like I think that pricing yourself is really, really hard as a coordinator because you're not offering a product the way that some of the other vendors are offering. So I think it is kind of hard to price yourself and really pricing yourself comes down to the connections and relationships that you have. So it's a toughie. Yeah. Yeah. And really know what your value add is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say though, that a good rule of thumb for pricing yourself on anything is like, what is the minimum dollar amount that you're willing to take in order to be happy doing that thing that you're doing? You know, it's my get out of bed fee. Like Mm -hmm. how much is it going to cost for me to get out of bed to do this thing today? Because there's for every like industry within the wedding field, there is a minimum cost of work. So for example, if I'm shooting, it doesn't matter how short my day is. I still have to check all of my equipment. I still have to charge everything. I still have to clean everything. I still have to pack it and carry it. And there's like a set amount of minimum work that needs to be done. So I need to figure out what is my minimum dollar amount that I'm willing to accept to get up and do all of that stuff, even if it's to shoot for one minute. Yeah. Yeah. And even think about all that, all that prep. And yeah. Afterwards, yeah. A lot of prep. And then like a lot of, if you're doing a double header, it's awful because you have to go home and charge up everything and start that whole thing again right away. Yeah. It's like an hour of prep when you get home that night before you can go to bed. I think we hit it. Is there anything else? Any other questions? We covered it. Okay. I'll I'll follow up with this and let you know how things go on the other side of the pond in terms of their coordinator. I do have to shout my cousin out for having an adults-only wedding. She's going to have – now, this is wonderful. I suggest this to your clients. She's saying no kids allowed, but she's going to have um, a hotel room with a sitter so the kids can – be in there and and you can go check on your kid during the wedding if you want to but I'm like cool whatever yeah (laughs) you're getting a sitter already then I don't have to find one in London wonderful she's like sorry and I'm like I have two kids you don't have to apologize to me it's all the people with one kids that are going to be like I can't bring my baby (laughs) yeah so okay I think we will catch you guys in the next one. Hopefully this recording turns out good. And um, hopefully if I don't look like a hot mess again next time, we'll keep on doing video. This is more fun. Okay. Bye. Bye. Look how far I got. Do you have a business milestone that you want us to shout out on the pod? Let us know in the link in our bio. We want to celebrate with you. And before we go, there's a few things you should know. Founders Vika is for educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney licensed in your state if you need legal help. In some states like California, this podcast may be considered attorney advertising. 